Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle. And I have a question for all of you HR people leaders out there. When is the last time that you actually look forward to your HR reporting process? Said no HR leader ever. Why? Because we know that most of you are relying on a manual, tedious, outdated process when it comes to HR reporting, which is pulling messy spreadsheets from all your different HR systems, looking to pull all that data together to some type of spreadsheet or PowerPoint, and it just takes a long time. It's not coming out the way you want, and you know that you could be spending time doing better work, like making sure that your employees are surviving and thriving during covid that's why Employee Cycle created your very own people dashboard. We have pre-built connectors to all the most popular HR systems that you're all using. Systems like Greenhouse, Bamboo HR, ADP, Trinet, Paylocity, Reflective, Lattice, 15.5, you name it. All you do is connect your different HR systems. We automatically pull in all your HR data and metrics into the dashboard so that you and your people team and all your managers and CEO and CFO and everybody else can view, share, track, and analyze all your people data from one place. If you want to learn more, go to EmployeeCycle.com. Check us out. Would love to give you a demo so we can explore how we can help you automate your HR reporting and analytics process. But that's enough about me and our company because today we have a great guest. So please help me welcome to the show, Brad Fitch. He's the Corporate Director of HR at Origins Behavior Healthcare, and today we're discussing the connection between performance reviews and merit increases. Brad, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. Welcome, Brad. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for spending some time with us today, Brad. Really appreciate it. You bet. Glad to be here. All right, Brad. So we're going to kick this thing off the best way we know how, and that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? Well, I uh, started out of school as a flight attendant in the late 90s and early 2000s. And uh, when I left the airline, I decided it was time to get a quote-unquote world job and worked in uh, sales and marketing until I found myself working with an amusement park in the HR world and started entry-level, worked my way up to senior director with them, and then now I'm in healthcare. Awesome. That is a, that's an interesting journey. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Brad. So today we're talking about the connection between performance reviews and merit increases. And so anytime we talk about different terms on our show, we always like to break down the terms first so that we can make sure we're talking about the same things that our audience thinks we're talking about. And so tell me, what do you think of when you hear performance review and what does that mean at, at Origins? How are you doing that? So when I think about performance review, uh, the very first thing that, that comes to my mind as well as many is, how is that going to relate to my pay increase? And so from an HR perspective, I'm trying to separate the performance management component and a direct merit increase. I want our managers and directors and supervisors to look at the review process as an objective component and coaching and helping our team members 
be better at what they do and not really focus on how much money is that going to get me or how much more of a raise am I going to get. And so when I approach designing performance management, first and foremost, I'm trying to look at how am I going to encourage our leadership team to really give a very fair and open review of the team member. So walk me through what that process looks like for you. Are these 360 reviews? Are people only getting reviewed by their manager or the person that they report to? How often are you doing this? What does this look like? So that's a good question, and that's currently what I'm working on right now. Um, We, like most, were on hold last year due to COVID. And so we temporarily suspended our merit increases last year as we navigated through COVID and the impact that had on our organization. Um, And so now we're getting back into it. and, And so I recognize and understand that we have to jump in very gradually and not overwhelm our team. And so how we're starting is by creating a baseline performance review. We've identified the four competencies that were most important that we wanted to look at with each team member. And so uh, to make it very simple for managers and directors, they are looking at the, the key indicators such as performance, dependability, job knowledge, and integrity. And so the review process right now is pretty quick, pretty easy, and it allows the managers an introduction to what we want to um, get from them as far as objective performance on their team members. As we move forward, uh, we're building out to look at performance based on each role within our organization. And so I'm building out reviews based on position and the actual job that each person is doing. So in our line of work, we have counselors, nurses, doctors, uh, what we call recovery advocates that are like techs. Each role has a different responsibility, and we want to zone in on what that team member is actually doing. So we recognize that in performance management, it's not a one-size-fits-all. So the way that I would evaluate a primary counselor versus someone in our housekeeping department would be very different, and the competencies look differently. And so we're trying, from the HR perspective, to take the guesswork out of the performance review from the manager. And so that's first and foremost. The second part is we want to get feedback from our team members. So we're incorporating a self-evaluation as well as getting input from other leaders within the department or even outside departments. So peer reviews or, um, or other outside management feedback is incorporated into the review that we're doing. And then we also have tools that are available to us that managers can uh, provide journal input from throughout the year so that they can incorporate that in the review. So when it's all said and done and it's signed, sealed, and delivered, uh, the finished product should have all the components that are going to be uh, from multiple sources so that we can get a really clear idea of the performance of the team member. So to get a sense of your headcount and the scale of this performance process, how many employees do you have now? So I have 300 uh, employees, rather, uh, spread out through uh, four locations. Got it. And do you have the same types of employees at each location, or does that vary? We have the same types. So we have a campus in West Palm Beach, Florida, one in South Padre Island, Texas, 
that pretty much mirror one another, except they are of different size. And then our corporate office is in Dallas, Texas. And we also have an outpatient center in Dallas as well. Got it. Now, one of the things you said when you were describing what a performance review or performance process looks like is really the connection between, from an employee's perspective, how is this going to affect or impact their merit increase? But I'm curious, how often do you do these performance reviews? Because you know, some of the companies that we work with, they're doing performance reviews and post reviews, sometimes on a monthly or quarterly basis. And obviously, or I'm, I'm assuming, obviously, you would be able to give merit increases that often. So are you doing the performance review and the whole performance process once a year, or does it happen more often than that? So traditionally, with the old system or old way that we did this, which was all manual, by the way, um, we did a 30-day and a 60-day check-in with our team member uh, directly, and then we did a 90-day review and a one-year annual review. The 90-day review would indicate their completion of their introductory period and it would be a scaled-down version of what the annual review would be. Um, and so now moving forward with uses of other tools such as regular check-ins, we encourage our team members and our managers to have real-time communication and feedback, um, and then leaving up to the final review, which would be on their anniversary date. Got it. Makes sense. So when it comes to the merit increases, Talk to me about how you're going about creating that strategy. I've spoken to a lot of HR and people leaders who struggle with figuring out what does this look like? Is it bonus? Is it a merit increase? How does that factor in based off of location and compensation bands and so many other things and variables that go go into this? So how do you and your team come up with a process that works fairly across the entire organization? So we're, we're keeping it pretty simple, and we are treating each location uh, the same. So we've created a point system within the, merit, uh, within the performance review, rather, uh, based on the score of their overall performance review would indicate the merit increase that they would receive um, on a percentage scale based on their score. Zero being uh, if they score poorly, which I hope that None of our team members score poorly, but um, it could be anywhere from a 0% merit increase up to the highest point. And then that would be an annual merit, not as a bonus, um, but incorporated into their pay. Got it. So when it comes to your performance reviews, depending on how the score shakes out that you receive as the employee, you could, in effect, get nothing or no, no merit increase. Or do you always get a merit increase? It's just that that merit increase is directly aligned with the points that you get from your performance review. So there is a possibility of a, of a team member not receiving a merit increase based on their performance score. Um, I haven't in my career have not seen a team member receive zero um, simply because I encourage our managers and our supervisors to work with providing coaching and feedback on an ongoing basis. So if they identify an area in which a team member needs to improve, I encourage them to have that conversation throughout the year, as I imagine most HR professionals would, um, in the hopes that we are receiving the performance that we're expecting from each team member. Um, I have had occasions where someone would receive a very 
minimal merit increase based on performance. However, what I'm seeing in a trend as I've been grading these and scoring these merits as they've come in this week, as a matter of fact, most of them have have received pretty high uh, marks on a scale of one to five. I think average would be 3.5 and some high performing individuals that would get, you know, four and a half to 4.75. Interesting. Now, when it comes to the performance review process itself, do employees also rate themselves so that from a corporate level, you can see if there's any gaps between the perception of the employee's work ethic or you know value that they're bringing to the table versus what the manager or supervisor will see? Absolutely. So each review is designed that the supervisor manager will submit a performance evaluation and the team member does a self-appraisal. We can compare those uh, side by side to look at um, what is in, in sync or what's different. Um, we also weight different components of the review um, in different ways. So not all of the employer feedback or manager feedback is going to attribute to the score of the employee's performance review. Uh, we have a tool which is called um, Insights, or what I like to call shoutouts, where peers have the opportunity to recognize one another throughout the year. And we definitely do incorporate that in our performance reviews. And we give some weight to that that would help determine the overall performance. I'm curious, do you typically see the gap being very small in regards to the self-appraisal versus the review? Is it typically the same or is or I guess, are there any surprises that you're typically seeing between how employees view themselves versus managers? Yeah, that's a good question. A lot of that depends on the the role in which the organization plays. So I have, let's say, primary counselor as an example um, versus someone that works in more direct direct patient care. I have seen, for the most part on average, the reviews, the self-appraisals and the manager reviews have been pretty much in in alignment with one another. We work in an industry that really focuses on behavior. And so Uh, One thing that I would say our team members um, are really good at is self-reflection and really getting feedback from one another. And so it's been interesting in this particular field since I've been in healthcare to see that the reviews are very consistent. There might be some variances here and there, but um, as I talk with team members, I, I notice that they're aware of themselves in areas in which they need to improve and also are um, very willing to share areas in which they feel like they they exceed. And so I have seen uh, very similar results when I'm comparing team members versus the manager approval. Got it. And then I just want to bounce back to the merit increases. And so when you're coming up with this strategy, how are you thinking about what is an appropriate merit increase to start with? Because I'm sure from the from the employee's perspective, it's just some random calculation. So could you give some transparency into how are you thinking about what that span even looks like in regards to what's the least amount a person can get versus what's the most amount they can get? So 
that's where we get a little bit more into our budget and what we can get approved. The The process with us is a little bit different. When we decided to, to resume our merit increases, um, I met with the corporate director of finance, the CEO, and the vice president of administration. And we essentially pulled a lot of manual data from our payroll process and and looked at when the, the last increase was versus when they would be due for a new one and the average amount of an increase. Um, as we looked at that, we also started with a baseline percentage for everyone to get a true understanding of what our merit increase budget would be, understanding that some would um, some would score lower and some would score higher. And so we used a, an average. Um, basically, at the end of the day, we looked at what could we afford as an overall budget and how would we project that would be dispersed amongst the, the workforce. Got it. And then the last question that I want to ask is for any HR leader out there that's thinking about how to pair merit increases to performance reviews, and they're either looking at a fresh way to do this or this is the first time that they're doing this, what should they be thinking about? And what are some areas where if they don't get it right the first time, then they shouldn't be too hard on themselves because it's something that you'll continue to optimize over time? Sure. Um, one, What we have decided to do this year and going forward, which I am hopeful that it's going to offer a little bit of separation between the merit increase and the performance review, is we're migrating over to merit increases will be done at the same time each year, every March and April, depending on the classification of the team member, whereas the performance review will remain on the anniversary date of the team member. And the reason I'm doing that is one of the things that I'm hoping to gain from that is that when the manager or supervisor is conducting the the performance review, they're going to look truly at performance and not how that's going to directly impact the merit increase. So I think offering a little bit of separation does allow and encourage the manager to look at the performance more than how much they're going to get. Because if, let's say someone's anniversary date is in July, they're not going to get the the merit increase necessarily until the following April. Uh, before I had them correlate directly, so as soon as the review was done, the merit increase was put into play. What I tended to see was that the manager would sometimes um, try to give or, or grade as high as possible to get the most amount. So by offering a little distance, I'm hoping that we will start to see a true reflection of performance and not directly uh, related to how much they would receive. Brad, thanks so much for the words of wisdom around this really interesting topic. And thanks so much for being on the podcast. Really appreciate you. Thank you. (laughs) So, Brad, where can people find you and Origins Behavioral Healthcare online? So our website is originsrecovery.com. And um, I'm located on LinkedIn or can be found on LinkedIn, just uh, Brad Fitch. Awesome. And we'll be sure to include all that contact info in the show notes. So everyone out there listening, if you enjoyed this episode as much as Brad and I did making it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes because it shows that we're providing great content. Also, if this is your very first time listening to the Employee Cycle Podcast and you're hungry for more episodes, Please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast players. 
And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.